think we are set. You know, one good morning, a very, a very good Anglican pastor was trying his microphone. And because we Anglicans, we have this, we always start service and say, the Lord be with you. And then uh, that's not what he said. He said, oh, something must be wrong with this microphone. <laughs> Those who hadn't followed very well said, and also with you. <laughs> so <laughs> um, thank you very much for welcoming me today. So I want to thank Pastor Ben. He has been uh, a very good host for this full week, almost. And uh, he has been a good friend, although we hadn't been together so many times. We met once, I think, for a few minutes uh, in Kigali, in the parking lot of the cathedral, if I remember well. Then uh, the rest was done through emails and uh, correspondences and working together on my book. Um, reconciliation as my lifestyle. So here I am. So I'm not going to repeat my name. They told you my name is Antoine. The second one is always difficult for people to get because it's not a noun, it's a sentence. Because my, we don't have family names, uh, at least for all of us who are born in the 50s and 60s. We had personal names. Every child was born and was given a personal name. So mine is not a family name, it's a personal name. My wife is not called Rutaisile, although I've seen she has shifted to putting it on her name, because Rutaisile is a male name, and we have female names and male names. Uh, so anyway, so Rutaisile means if death doesn't take him. It's a sentence. Uh, when I was born, I was a very fragile baby, so they had didn't, didn't expect me to live long. And uh, during those days, uh, on the Earth Day, that's when the child was given a name. And I was still around. I wasn't born. And I'm still around today. So my dad picked that thing because before you were given a name, you were a thing. You became a person when you got a name on the Earth Day. So my father took me and looked at me, yelling, ee! and then he said, is he going to live? Then he said, called me Rutaisiri, which means if death doesn't take him. So I kept telling people, I like my name because it's an unfinished sentence, and I'm trying to finish it. So if death doesn't take him, he will be a pastor. If death doesn't take him, he'll be a father. If death doesn't take him, he'll be a grandfather. If death doesn't take him, so many things I can feel into that unfinished sentence. So that's who I am. And uh, I've been told that you've been going through the book of Exodus, which is a book I like very much. Because in Africa, we love telling stories. And the book of Exodus is just a series of stories. But that's not the only reason. The book of Exodus is like a pattern for our journey as Christians. Because these people were delivered from the slavery, the bondage, the oppression of Egypt. 
as we've been delivered from the bondage and the slavery and the oppression of the devil. And there is another similarity. Very often, when you observe that text, you find a pattern. Here we have a God of love, a God of power, a God of miracles. And on the other side, you have a grumbling bunch of former slaves. God does miracles for them, and you expect them to grow in faith. But they don't. The next time when they meet another problem, they grumble. And God keeps saying, when are you going to start believing? I've heard many people um, criticizing these people of Israel, but when, very often when I observe, we are just like them. We go from a miracle into a problem and we grumble. We go from a day into another day and you grumble, mainly when you are young. Uh, I, I have, uh, my children are now kind of grown up, but when they were young, I used to tell them when they were go going to school, where is the grumbling team? Because all of them were grumbling in the morning. Oh, we have to wake up and go back to school. So, you see, actually, all of us, we are like that. God is leading us into eternity, but we grumble. We grumble when the rain comes. We grumble when it doesn't come. We grumble when the sun is too bright. We grumble when it's not there. For any reason, we find a good reason to grumble. And when you take away the thing that was making people grumble, they grumble because it's no longer there. Have you seen in this book, actually towards the end, Moses has gone to be with God, to talk to him. And he took 40 days away. And then the people sat there and said, actually, Moses is gone. Can we do something ourselves? Can we create a God and we worship him more joyfully? Because you see, there was one big problem with this God of Israel. He was invisible. He was doing things, but they couldn't get hold of him. They couldn't carry him. And you know, sometimes we are like that. We like those gods that we can touch. We love those gods that we can see. And sometimes when they are not there, we create them. We have our own idols. As a matter of fact, when you look around, we often brag about those gods we have created ourselves. One Kenyan writer said, the modern world loves worshiping the trinity of gold, iron, and concrete. Gold, you make a lot of money. Iron, we have cars and you have all those gadgets. And concrete, you have buildings. And very often, when we brag, we brag about the size of my car, the size of my house, um, the amount of money we have. And this is what these people did. They created a golden calf. Actually, I'm just taking you to the story we are studying today, but giving you a background. And I'd like to ask you, when you rejoice or when you are so happy about yourself, what are you so happy about? 
you will find that all of us, we are idol worshippers who don't recognize it. Sometimes you put yourself up there as a God. When people don't clap for you, you feel offended. When they don't mention you, when they don't see you, well, that's not a problem. But we make ourselves small gods. And Solomon, after chasing after all those things, he was famous, he was wealthy, he had everything, he came to the conclusion that it was vanity. Most of these things we run after. Have you seen that the pleasure of an idol is before you get it? I used to be an athlete, uh, track and field. For years, I was so proud of myself. I was the captain of the university team, running 400 meters. I, I often tell people, sometimes when you brag like that, you don't tell people you weren't Olympic level. You just tell them I was an athlete and I was running 400 meters, but you don't mention you weren't Olympic level. But I did collect some medals. But today when I look back, I say, where are my medals? As I moved on, by then I was in my 20s, now I'm in my 60s, they've been lost along the way. Some of them, my kids took them and were playing with them, and they lost them. You come home and your medal is gone. Um, you get a degree, and then one day, God reminds you that that too is useless. I remember in 1994, when uh, we left our home, going into, I don't know where, running away from death, although there was no way to run away from it. So I looked at the house. We had so many nice things. It was our own house. I had toiled for years to get it. Then I looked, at it, I looked at it and I said, well, we can't push it. You can't pull wheels on your house when you are running away. I looked at the beautiful things we had in the fridge, the bed, the mattresses, the nice jackets, and even the ties. I said, well, I want to need this when I'm hiding in a bush. And then the worst of it, I had degrees, bachelor degree from the University of Rwanda, master's degree in literature from the University of Rwanda, master's degree in linguistics and, uh, from uh, British University. And I looked at the papers and I said, do I take this with me? I said, no, because where I'm going, they don't apply for jobs. I left the papers there in the house. That day I learned a lesson. Most of the things we toil for, most of those golden calves we work for, sometimes they don't serve any cause, even money. I had money in my pocket. You know, I tend to be, I can look into the future and plan long term. So. When the, when the going was getting tough, I told my wife, you know something I see? Something is going to happen someday. 
So we better go to the bank and get all our money out and have it handy. So I go to the bank, get all the money. It wasn't a lot of money, but it was some money. Put it in my pocket when we are leaving the house. And it was rain season. And I was carrying this big bag with our clothes and our children's clothes heavy. So as the rain was falling, the bag kept rubbing against my pocket where my money was. So by the time we got where we wanted to go, I put my hand in my pocket and my money had become just pulp. I took the ball of paper and threw it in the bush and I said, bye-bye my money. Now I'm going to live by faith. And you know, sometimes God does that to you and say, God, what are you doing? Then God said, now you will depend on me for your survival. And he did, and I'm here. So that kind of idolatry, these people were worshiping an idol when they had a mighty God. Although they couldn't see him, he was there with them. And then we get to the story when Moses gets there and they've committed that sin. And I'm now jumping to the story because Moses went back. Actually, if you look in the Bible, Moses is the only character who has prayed 40 days without food twice. Jesus did it once. Moses was up there for 40 days. He came down with the commandments, the tablets. Then people had worshipped an idol. He broke the tablets. And then he went back and said, maybe our God will forgive us. Then he goes into a dialogue. I forget to tell you, actually, you know, I'm preaching the African way. You know, in Africa, we sometimes just tell stories and you forget even to tell people your title. And I entitled it The Presence of God in the Daily. Presence of God in the Daily. Daily everything. So Moses goes there. And God tells him, Moses, keep going. But there is a but. I'm not going with you. And that's where the conversation starts. I'm not going with you. And Moses knew, although God made a promise that some others would have grabbed with both hands. Look in that chapter 33 of Exodus, verse 2. God says, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So God says, okay, go into your blessings, but I will not go with you. And you see, this is where many people make a a mistake. When God blesses us, we forget about him. We are so busy enjoying the blessings. Even when he's not there, we don't care. And Moses knew this was a trap. He said, God, are you going to send me with an angel and you are not going with us? What am I going to do? 
Because you see, you never be happy going with an angel without God. Because when you look in the Bible, the angel of the Lord is like a soldier. He implements orders. And Moses knew. Actually, in some place, the Lord told him, my angel will destroy you if you disobey. And Moses said, I know these people. If we go without our gracious God, our forgiving God, this angel is a dangerous character to go with. He said, I will not go. So he went back to God. And see, look at the conversation Moses has with God. Moses says, God, you tell me to take these people. Verse 13. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. But before that, on verse 12, he says, you have been telling me Lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. But God was clear. He had told him, I will send you an angel. And Moses said, I haven't heard you telling me who is going with us. Actually, if God had wanted to, he would have said, but I told you, you are going with an angel. But probably God knew the heart of Moses. He said, Moses, my servant, doesn't want to go with an angel. Then Moses said, you told me you will bless me. You told me you know me by name. Who is going with us? Then God said, verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Actually, this is what Moses was looking for. And this is what we should be looking for in our lives the presence of the Lord. When you wake up in the morning, yearn for the presence of the Lord. When you go somewhere, remember to call God to be in that. Moses said, "My, actually, I don't know who is going with us. I don't know that angel. He doesn't know me. I don't know him by name. How many angels do you know? What's the name of your angel? We know we have angels who look after us. That's what Jesus said, that our angels are up there watching over us. And sometimes I wonder where mine is. You know, there are times when you are going through trouble, you say, where is my angel? What is he doing? Maybe he's playing cards. <laughs> you know, one time I had this funny uh, story. One, of, one member of my congregation, came asking for the key to the prayer room. And I said, well, actually, what are you praying for so that I may join you in the spirit? She said, no, pastor. My angel probably is on holiday because there are so many things happening to me, this and this and so I'm going to ask God to change my angel. <laughs> but here, Moses says, I don't know who you are sending with me. What's his name? An angel, just an angel? And you tell me, you know me by name, and I know you by name. I know who you are called. Because in the beginning, Moses asked God, what's your name? And God told him, my name is Jehovah. I am who I am. I, Moses could say, I know you by name, but what's the name of that angel? 
I don't know him. And then God say, okay, I'll go with you. And I will give you rest. Then Moses grabbed God by the hand and said, then Moses told him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that we are pleased, you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Because what makes us different from other people is the presence of the Lord in our lives. Otherwise, wealth, everybody may have it. Oh, beauty, so many people may even be more beautiful than you are according to who is looking at them. Uh, wealth, uh, glory, fame. Then Moses said, what will make a difference in our lives is that we have God. And you know, people may not love you. They may not, they may not like your face. Even yourself, you know, you may not like it. But God loves you. And that's what makes a difference. You know, sometimes people don't see that the big difference in our lives is in the presence of the Lord with us. Amen? Because you see, very often we define ourselves by our achievements. We want people to know us by who we meet. And sometimes when people introduce you, or oh, I've had that happening to me on a few occasions, people say, you know, this person who's going to speak to us is not an ordinary pastor. I say, what? You know, he, shake, he shakes hands with the mighty in his country and say, oh, 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 I don't want to be known by that. Because sometimes you are so happy when you know so and so, but we are known by God, the creator of the universe, and he loves us. And Moses said, how will people know we are different if you don't go with us? And that's something we should be considering. Is God present in your life? Because this big problem we have with Christians, we have many Christians who know God, who speak about God, but God is not present in their lives. And God said, I will go with you. And Moses, I'm happy. Then he said, I'm going to ask something else. Uh, Moses, and the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. That's what call intimacy with God. When God tells you, I know you by name. I know you by name. He doesn't know us by numbers. He doesn't know us by the neighborhood we live in. He doesn't know us as that man who drives a big car. He knows us by name. Amen. And that's something we should rejoice about. Because, well, I know in America, the president is not... Uh, a big thing. Being known by the president, being spoken about by the president. I know you criticize your president, as, but back home, the president is the president. If he mentions your name, people know that the president knows you by name. And because I was on the Unity and Reconciliation Commission, 
as vice chairman for 12 years, and that was under his office. And, I, and uh, I was the chairman of the Rwanda Leaders Fellowship that organizes top leadership um, prayer breakfast. The president was always attending our prayer breakfast, and I sat next to him. And sometimes he would say, what Pastor Antoine said, then people would say, the president knows you by name. I said, but it's far better. Jesus knows me by name. But we love it when somebody so important can mention your name and you keep dropping it everywhere so that people know you've been with him. But God told Moses, I know you by name. Do you know God knows you by name? Do you know that God loves you and cares about you? And uh, finally, Moses asked a question, and that's where I'm going to finish. He said, uh, now that your presence is guaranteed, take me to a higher level. And he said, show me your glory. Actually, Moses was always speaking with God, but there was something missing. He said, God, I want to go to a higher level. Take me to a higher level. I want to know you better. There is a glory I'm not getting to. I want to know you deeper and better. I want to see your glory. I want to see your shining glory. Then God told him, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on you. I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. But this request of Moses was answered. You remember the passage we read in Matthew 17? When Jesus manifested his glory in the flesh that people could see, Moses and Elijah were there. So probably Moses said, yes, I've always wanted to see this glory. Now I can see it in Jesus. And I think this is where we should focus our attention. We see the glory of God in Jesus. We see the compassion of God in Jesus. We see the love of God in Jesus. Because Moses saw Jesus in his glorious appearance. And Peter saw the glory and he said, well, this is so majestic. And he got confused, actually. I'm going to build a tent, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. He forgot there were six. I just wonder where they would have lived with John and James. Then God said, no. My glory will be manifested only in my son. And I keep telling people, if you really want to know God, focus on Jesus. If you want to see the glory of God, focus on Jesus. If you want to see the presence of God in your daily life, focus on Jesus. Because that's what God said. This is my son in whom I am pleased, obey him. And I finish with the privilege and the advantage of being focused on Jesus. You see, all the people you see in the Bible who lived a righteous life, they all 
walked with God. They were friends with God. You read the book of Genesis, they tell us Noah walked with God and he was righteous in his time. King David, David was always singing psalms, saying, God, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. You see that yearning heart of closeness with God. Because when you walk with God, you live a righteous life. You remember Joseph when he was in Egypt? The wife of Potiphar fell in love with him, or in lust, actually. I don't call that love. She fell in lust with him and wanted to go in bed with him. Then Joseph told her, I can't do that for two good reasons. Potiphar has been good to me, and I can't commit such a sin in the eyes of my God. This is somebody who knew the presence of God. And David was always saying, God is my shepherd. Wherever I go, he's watching over me. Psalm 20, 23 that we read. So you get these people, when you know the presence of God, it keeps you away from sin. And I keep telling people, if you really want to live life according to God, rather than spend time just engaging in many disciplines, spend time getting closer and closer and closer to a living Jesus. Jesus is not an idea. He is not a historical figure. He's alive. And when you walk with Jesus, wherever you go, you know he's watching you. Actually, I came to the Lord when I was young. I was 25. And you know when you are 25 and you are not married, you have so many temptations. And my struggle was in that area. Women, girls. And I was telling myself, what if I fall into sin after having confessed that I'm a born-again Christian? Then I, I started putting around me just protective measures, walls. Then one day God went beyond my walls and he found me inside and said, this is useless. Walk in my presence. Remember, I'm always watching you wherever you go. And until today, I often tell people, wherever you will take me, I can guarantee you, I will not fall into sin. Not because I'm strong, not because I'm disciplined. I simply trained my heart and my mind to walk in the presence of God. As a matter of fact, as you walk with God, even small thoughts, sinful thoughts, we all have them. When they come in your mind, you hear God saying, really? Are you thinking like that? Are you telling me you can do that? Are you watching that when I'm watching you? And then you are just stopped from falling into sin because of the eyes of God, the practice of the presence of God in the daily. And you will go through dangers and problems. And you know when God is watching you, it's like David said in Psalm 23, you have protection. And you know that God is watching over you. And sometimes I tell people, when people hate you, pity them. 
because they are in great danger. You tell them, watch out, because God is watching me, and if you touch me, you may get thunder coming upon you from you don't know where, because I live in his presence, and he loves me. Number three, you have his provision. I told you, when we left our home, our possessions were gone, our lives were in danger, my money was gone. Then God told me, the righteous shall live by faith. Actually, we spent a hundred days away from home, away from everything, and we lived. And I remember one night I sat there in the dark. It was raining heavily. We, were, we had been walking for six hours, running away from the city. And then I sat there and said, God, are you here? You promised you would be with us. Where are you? Then I clearly heard the voice of God saying, if you go through the waters, they will not drown you. If you go through the rivers, they will not carry you away. If you go through the fire, you will not burn because I'm with you. And I went to sleep under the rain in the mud. When I woke up in the morning, my wife told me, are you sure you are in good health? How can you sleep when the rain is just falling? You sit in the rain, it's dark, it's damp, mosquitoes are flying around. And then you sleep and they say, well, when you know the presence of the Lord is with you, even in that kind of situation, you can fall asleep because God told Moses, I will go with you and give you peace and give you rest. Protection, provision, and finally, direction. I've been leading different Christian ministries and in the beginning, I was struggling to be a good leader, reading books, making strategies and things, until God told me, actually, do you know who owns this ministry? This is not your business. You are coming to me with your project and your plans and your what, and you ask me to bless them. I'm tired of your Ishmaels. You know, Abraham got two sons, one from the promise and one from his own making. And sometimes we laugh at him. But one day God told me, actually, you are just his descendants. You are always bringing me your Ishmael's to bless. Come to me, ask me what you want to do, what I want you to do. And then be at peace, rest, because I'm in charge and I will provide. So sometimes I tell pastors, you know, have you heard pastors saying, I'm burnt out? I say, why did you burn? When did you burn? You know, because sometimes they burn out without having even burned. How can you burn out when you haven't even been burnt? But I tell them actually, leave it to God. Don't burn out. Let God be in you. Let me finish on this story again with Moses. You know the burning bush. When God sits in a bush, it burns and it doesn't get consumed. When God is in your life, you keep going. Even in your old age, you will bear fruit because the Lord is in you. And may the Lord help us to understand this. 
and may the Lord help us to bring God in our lives and enjoy his presence in the daily details of everything we do. Let's pray. And if you are sitting here and if you heard the Lord telling you something, just whatever he told you, pray about it, pray from it, and ask the Lord to be ever-present in your life. Heavenly Father, we often enjoy being known by influential people. And sometimes the way people look at us, around us, doesn't give us encouragement. We feel depressed because people don't love us. We feel depressed because people don't admire us. We feel depressed because people are wealthier than we are. But you told Moses, my presence is enough. I pray for every person sitting in this congregation. Let your Holy Spirit fall upon us to explain to us this word so as to understand the benefits we have when we walk with you in the daily details of our lives. So bless us and bless us indeed and bless us with your presence and go with us and let your glory shine wherever we go as we contemplate your glory and be transformed into your likeness, O Lord Jesus. Let your people rejoice and you let your kingdom come for in your name, Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Thank you for your attention. God bless you.